Welcome to the SDR Disco Call podcast, a podcast designed for brand new sales development reps in the world of software as a service. Every Tuesday, we're going to be bringing you a new guest who's still in the role to share how or why they've gone into sales development, what have they learned in their SDR career and journey to date, and what three pieces of information would they like to share back to new and existing reps to help them become happy sellers. Every show is transcribed, recorded with links from the guests, which are available at happyselling.io forward slash podcast. I'm going to be your host, Neil Buyan, and I look forward to taking you into the world of sales development through the SDR Disco Call podcast. So with that in mind, let's begin. Hi there, guys, and welcome to another episode of the SDR Disco Call podcast. Today, we've got a great guest. This is Claudia Milanesi, who's an SDR from Yapoli. Um, me, uh, me and Claudia connected uh, over LinkedIn a few weeks back when I noted that she was a top 10 SDR from the Sales Conf- uh, Confidence uh, Awards. And I wanted to kind of figure out who is Claudia, kind of what's going on in her world, uh, and see if she's on for the show. But Claudia, you made it here. So Thank you very much for joining. How are you doing this morning? I'm very well. Thank you so much for having me. This is really exciting. Perfect. Thank you. And we're super excited to to get you in. And for the listeners uh, that are listening in, this is kind of November 2020, just as a reference. But um, Claudia, like, uh, give us a little bit of an introduction about yourself. Like, who are you? Kind of uh, what are you doing today and kind of where are you working? So um, my name is Claudia Milanesi. I am... here today to talk about myself and the SDR position and how I do things and my experience, I guess. And I am working at Yapoli, which is a startup that's doing open banking connectivity. Um, And what open banking is for people that have never heard about it or don't understand it as much. A few years ago, four or five now, um, the European Union told every bank around Europe that they had to create an API which is a point of communication for machines where anyone could connect to to download their customers' financial data or make bank transfer from any app. Um, The banks have obliged, but everyone created a bit of a different API. So for a small app trying to do loans, connecting to all the banks in Europe is a bit messy and complicated. So Yapoli puts itself in the middle and we basically build the connections so that people can focus on providing great services. Love it. So in essence, with you at Yapoli, like you guys are like that connector between the bank and other systems so they can talk to each other. Is, is that what you'd say? Exactly, yeah. We're a technical partner. Perfect, love it. And what is it that you do specifically at Yapoli, Claudia? So I am an SDR. My role is to speak with anyone who's interested in the product or in the industry and tell them a bit more information or even find companies that could benefit from open banking but don't know that just yet. So I basically get to have lots of interesting conversation with experts in their fields and figure out a way for them to use open banking. Um, And it's been quite fun. You got to love what you do, right? And obviously with all the SDRs and BDRs that are kind of listening in, we obviously talk to different types of stakeholders and decision makers or audiences. Who are the normal type of personas that you speak to on a regular basis? So we usually speak with tech people, um, 
product people. So CTOs, CPOs are always the ideal person because they have the wider view of what's going on within the company and where they want it to go. Because open banking is very much a strategic piece for a lot of these businesses. So we're speaking with technical and product experts, um, which was quite daunting at the beginning because I came into it not knowing much about finance at all. So I had mm-hmm. to rely on them a lot to kind of teach me as well. Um, but it was good. It's been really interesting. I love what you just said there. Like uh, you've come into this like with that much experience in that world and it's those prospects or those customers that you're speaking to that are teaching you. And I think something I faced in lots of jobs as an SDR <laughs> where I had no idea about that world, if it's cybersecurity or if it's finance, that's the thing. We don't have to be the experts straight off the bat. We get to learn in them. That's how we become the experts, right? Um, So, Claudia, obviously, uh, for the listeners that can't see you but can hear you, like, where are you based at the moment? Where where are you in the world? So, I'm based in London. The company is based just near Liverpool Street. Perfect. And is this uh, with the current situation that's going on? Are you working from home or are you working in the office? What's work work life for, for you at the moment? Um, for me personally, it's mostly at home. We do, our office is still open. Um, we managed to keep it open during the second quarantine. That's not the right word, the second lockdown, right? Lockdown, yes, thank yeah. you. Um, so that if anyone needs to go in for any reason, they can, which has been quite nice because I try to go in once a week to see my colleagues and nothing can really make up for an in-person meeting. But I'd say it's 90% at home for now. Okay, cool. Well, hopefully with things that are on the horizon of improving, there'll be a hell of a lot more human interaction. COVID safe, obviously. But uh, hopefully one day, as all the listeners one day, we we might be able to get to meet you. And I'd love to come out and check out the offices at Yapley as well. Um, I imagine it would be quite good for you as well to be doing these in person eventually. Oh, 100%. One day, that is the goal for the Happy Select Life, for the SDR Disco Call podcast to to kind of meet people face-to-face. Uh, definitely on the card. So yeah, watch out for that one. Um, so Claudia, when I was looking at your LinkedIn profile, um, I seen that you'd been like an assistant, an admin assistant, you'd worked at Rubicon doing like humanitarian relief. Uh, and that kind of brought you into Yapley. Please kind of walk us through like from the beginning of kind of where you was like, I think it was back in Italy before coming out to the, uh, to Europe. Yeah. Like, how did you get from there to, to get to Yapley? What's the story there? So I guess a bit of background on myself. I'm originally from Italy and I lived in Italy for my first 13 years. Um, And when I was 13, my parents moved to New York for work and I followed them. And that was the first time where I kind of got met the idea of kids doing summer jobs. That's not really a thing in Italy at all. So one of the summers, because I would always go back home, I was like kind of desperate to get some experience and, you know, make some money and be one of the cool kids that has a summer job. So um, I managed to get a job at an insurance company, friends of family, um, and it was a very basic job. I was basically putting files away in a cabinet and answering the phone calls, but it was fun and it was nice to have something to do in the morning and during the hottest time of the day because I would leave in the afternoon and meet my friends. So that was a very simple way to start and get used to a working day life, I guess. Um, And then came to England for uni. I was in the uni of Bath and the uni of Bath has this thing called a sandwich placement course, which I guess is actually quite 
common in the UK. So mm. it's three years of university and one year of placement. And I was studying international development with economics. So I was always on the fence of either I'm going to go work in finance to see what it's like, or I'm going to go work in a charity. Um, and my personal, I guess, instinct would have been a charity because I wanted to help people. I wanted to see what that was like. Yeah. By luck and chance, I managed to find an internship for the whole year at this organization called Team Rubicon, which is now called React, which is one of the few organizations, few independent organizations in the world that does disaster response. And they did a lot of international disaster response. Um, so I was volunteer coordinator, which is, I guess, as close uh, to a sales job as you can get in a charity. And when I got in, the role had just been imagined. Um, so a week in, I was basically trying to figure out exactly what to do, how to engage with the volunteers, how to get them to come through the training, to then deploy to operations, which are quite intense you know we did work in nepal and other places and a week after i joined hurricane herma hit the caribbean and i had to deploy 150 100 and something volunteers to the caribbean in the midst of the worst hurricane that ever seen to go and rebuild Um, and then there was maria that hit a few months later so that was quite intense and that taught me how to do like a 9 to 11 p.m working day on the phones all day again, lots of communication, lots of um, negotiating with airlines and um, hotels. So as far as first job experiences go, that was quite intense. Mm. Um, But it was an amazing year. Um, I got to develop myself and build a role that didn't really exist. And then go back to uni and, you know, (laughs) study and put in practice everything that I'd learned. I love it. So just so just on that. So like you said, you're doing like a, an admin job, kind of like to get you into the, the the feeling of like what's a working environment like. You come over to the University of Bath. You're going through that, and then you have the option, like you say, to either work in finance, see how that goes, and then all go into a charity side. But your want is to try and help people, and then obviously working uh, with React and with the humanitarian relief. You got that experience of like, uh, well, you know, like within a week of that happening, having to help on a project, deploy people out to the Caribbean. There's other things going on in the world, but you're what I, what I also heard there is that you're speaking to different businesses, you're speaking to different stakeholders, and that's like a big learning curve. Like in the first couple of weeks, like w- within that role, and then as you mentioned, doing a role that hadn't been imagined or even defined at that point, and kind of creating that yourself. What was that feeling like of all that coming together? A bit daunting and exciting. I mean, I guess the feeling of fear and excitement always go hand in hand. Um, so I was very lucky that we had quite a big team. A lot of them had much more experience than me. A lot of them had about the same. So there was a very collaborative atmosphere and we were given enough freedom to make mistakes, but also enough support that, you know, none of it would be... Um, none of it would destroy anything. Uh, mm. There were a lot of successes as well, but I think I mentioned the mistakes first because I did make a few over the first few months and they were handled wonderfully. And I've never felt like, oh my God, this is the end of me or, oh my God, I ruined everything. I always felt like, okay, this is a problem. We've identified something that will help not only this operation, but the job role and the organization as a whole. And this is how we move on. Mm. That was a very positive experience for me. Because 
I guess personally, I'm quite like scared of new things, but to know that I could throw myself into something like that and come out successful and, you know, um, get to hear all the wonderful stories that came out of that operation was quite fun, um, quite satisfying as well. I love that. I love that. And as you said, like doing those things, like where you say you may be quite scared of it. And I think a lot of SDRs or BDRs that are listening into this, doing this job for the first time could be a hella scary, you know, and everybody's like worried to make mistakes and kind of be ousted by it and say, hey, you you kind of messed up. Like, what, what are you doing? Um, but as you said, you've got a team behind you. You're collaborating. You're kind of realizing, okay, the impact isn't that bad. And actually something beautiful came out the end of it and feeling proud of that achievement and overcoming that fear. I think it takes guts, definitely. But it's something that we should not fear so much because, again, we're fearing things that haven't even happened yet. <laughs> so if that's picking up a phone or sending out an email, etc. Yeah, um, but that's beautiful. And that, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say that that's very much what a sales job is, especially at the beginning, because you're speaking with people, you're speaking with companies that you feel like are so out of your reach, and you're like you're trying to tell them something that they might not know. You're trying to come at them and be like, "I can help you," and you're just questioning, like, "Can I? Can I actually?" So you just put yourself in it. Definitely. I think it's something that I've recently experienced, kind of like the imposter syndrome, like where you're going for something and then you're like, yeah, yeah, I can do this, I can do this. And then when you're faced with it, you're like, actually, can I do this? I don't know. And it hits me every week. Don't get me wrong. It hits me every week in anything that I'm doing. And I can, a lot of my friends relate to that as well. But you know what? Nine times at 10, you can do it. That's kind of why you're doing it. And that's what's driving you to do it. But as you mentioned, uh, Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, I keep, you keep, I keep interrupting you, but it's quite funny that you mentioned that because when I finished uni, we had a speech by um, a woman. I can't remember her name, sadly, but she got an honorary degree for her work in um, helping women get into tech. And her speech was all about imposter syndrome. And she looked at us like newly grads and told us, you're going to feel this all the time. Just work through it. Eventually, you'll succeed. So, just, yeah. Love that. Absolutely love that. And one day let's get her name so we can put her in the show notes so that people can find her. I'd love to listen to that. Um, and so as you said, like you, that you're moving on, you're kind of come, coming back to university. What happened from there, Claudia? So you've done that role and you've gone back to uni. What's, what's the next thing that happened? So finished uni, um, I guess that was a pretty normal year. And um, once I finished, so my parents live in Australia I didn't really want to go back to Italy because, you know, I've been abroad long enough to know that that's not really the environment where I wanted to kind of develop myself in. So London became the obvious choice where to go to next. And I started looking for jobs. And again, luck and chance have driven a lot of my um, decisions. And I'm so happy for it because I knew that I wanted to find something difficult and new. Um, And sales, although it's kind of similar to volunteering and volunteer management, has a completely different mindset. So I came across this um, recruitment agency called Banatrix that only recruited for a sales job in fintech, which finance and technology, although I was looking at it throughout uni, you know, sales and fintech were as far off as anything that I've ever tried um, as anything. So got through with them and they found me an interview with Diapoli. That was the second interview that I had coming out of uni ever. And it was such a fun experience to do that interview, thanks to the preparation for with Banatrix, but also 
um, because I guess it was just a really good interview. I haven't thought about it in quite a while, but it was kind of like this podcast. It was very conversational and I knew that I was supposed to kind of impress people on the other end, but it all came down so naturally. Um, and that was both the first session which I had with our CCO and one of the sales guys now left and then with the CEO as well. Um, and then I got the job and very much, mm-hmm. yeah, I know. <laughs> I wasn't expecting it. It was such a good day. Um, and I'd already moved by London by then. So I was basically just a bit on the fence because I didn't want to apply for other jobs because I was really hoping this would come through because it would have been perfect. And it worked. And I was meeting a friend and we had the most fun afternoon ever because I was just high <laughs> of, oh my God, I got a job. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah. And you've, you've mentioned there quite a few times. Uh, I've heard that things have happened by luck and chance. I don't know how you feel, but I'm a firm believer that everything happens for a reason at the right time. Um, but an interesting key point that you said prior to that was I was looking for something interesting and difficult. Uh, that's quite interesting because... I think when we spoke before initially, like you, you kind of came up with this thing of, I like to do difficult things first. And that really struck me. I was like, I've never heard that before. Somebody who looks for the difficulties. Why is that, Claudia? I guess I don't really know what I'm best at yet. And I know personally, I'm quite like a scary cat. There are so many things that I'm afraid of. Um, And I think partly because the experience at Team Rubicon went so well that I just thought, why not try something that seems a bit daunting and that doesn't really seem what I'd want to do, see how I do in it, and then make an actual decision about it. And it might be that it's the thing that I love most in the world and I would never have tried it otherwise, you know. I would have gone down the easy path, which I don't know what that would have been. Um, But, yeah, it seems more fun to try something and see how you do at it. I absolutely love that mindset. In other words, do things that scare you. Yeah. And that's what helps you grow. Would you Would you agree? 100%, yeah. I love it. And yeah, do you know what? Um, even in my life, outside of sales, in a lot of things that I've done, I've always had that feeling of butterflies in my stomach. I'm like, oh my gosh, can can I do this sort of thing? Um, like if it's a call or recording a video or launching a podcast, it scared the hell out of me. Or recording and get coming into guests. Every time I record one of these shows, I always get butterflies. And I'm like, okay, how is this going to go? I don't know. Is it going to be okay? Like, am I going to mess up? But at the end of doing those experiences, I always get that uh, feeling of fulfillment. Like, damn, I got it done. I actually did it. That actually paid off. It worked. So, yeah, I I agree with you. Do things that are difficult. Do things that scare you. And I always say to my students, if you're not doing one thing at least a day that scares you, then you're not living because that feeling of being scared is feeling alive, right? Yeah. So 100%. So, like, obviously, you've you've gone through the recruitment process. You've spoken to the C-level. You've got your job. You've gone out with your friend for an afternoon of celebration of, yay, we got the job at Yapley. Like, what, what took place after that? How was your onboarding experience with Yapley? What were you learning in your first few weeks? So um, it was a bit chaotic because the company was very young and it was something that I didn't know much about at all. Um, Thankfully, everyone in the team, including... So at the time, there was 17 of us and we were in this small office, uh, always around Liverpool Street, but um, a bit far from where we are now. And the first few weeks, I was just really trying to get a hang of 
what we were doing, how it worked, trying to figure out what the answers were to the questions before a lead would ask me that. Um, so that included doing sitting on a lot of calls with our sales team. That included doing a lot of reading. Included translating a lot of papers in Italian because it just so happened um, that there was a need for that. So I got to use my Italian language right there the first week. Um, but if I think the first thing that struck me and that kind of took me back was the terminology and how complicated the fintech world can actually be at first glance. Um, and it took a while. I'd say it took about three months to get through the phase of, okay, I actually, to get to a point where I actually understood everything and I could actually use the terminology and hold a call feeling 100% confident about myself. Um, I also had to kind of figure out the systems and how to do things on a day-to-day -day basis because we just got Salesforce, but we were just starting out. So I had to figure out, okay, how does the lead flow work? How do we put them in? What are the stages that people go through? Um, how do I actually keep track of all of them? How do I make sure that I'm sending them enough messages to get their attention? Like those tiny little questions that, Sadly, I didn't have another SDR to lead me on, but I did have very capable salespeople who, I guess they were doing the job in a different way and that was the problem. I couldn't be too much like a salesperson. I had to figure out a way to sit between the salesperson and the customer. And it was a really fun challenge. Um, I think it was, it was fun to have to um, they intricate I don't know what the word for it is, but like, you know, separate the two flows. Um, and eventually at some point, I don't know when it was, probably around the four or five months mark, I just felt like I actually have this under control. I have my spreadsheets. I know how Salesforce work. I've actually made some changes here. And then you get into almost an automated flow where your target becomes a bit more focused and your spreadsheets become a bit prettier and all of that you know, <laughs> like a useful part of the company <laughs> <laughs> i love that i love that and you're saying something which i've experienced myself and i've seen it with a lot of sdrs especially like when you're the first one on the ground as you said you didn't have another sdr to kind of bounce ideas off um what you were doing if you kind of zoom out for a minute is you're doing marketing so you're doing the translation side you're also sitting down with salespeople to understand a sales process you're then logging into salesforce.com, your CRM for the first time, and that's still being built out. You're actually doing operations. You're doing multiple roles with multiple hats, and you're the person that's going to be able to tell that next SDR that joins on board how this stuff works. And this is the most beautiful thing. So this is, in essence, you're learning how a company runs. And that's why I always say to SDRs, it's not just a direct route into sales. It's an entry into a company and all the departments, and you have the beautiful opportunity to kind of pick and choose which way you're going to go. Um, but as you said, um, you're, you're kind of building this out with a team. Uh, things are going through. You're, you're trying stuff out. Kind of what were your key learnings like coming out of that? What was kind of like going good and what wasn't going good for you? I think processes and communications were definitely one of them. Having a strict process that people can look back on and you can be accountable on and that everyone is clear on as well. So it's not just about identifying a lead and knowing why you've reached out to a certain person or knowing why you've qualified someone. That's okay. So 
I guess there's many pieces about the process and I love process. I think you're right in saying that a lot of what I was doing was almost operational, but that's hugely important in making sure that these things last in the long term. And I can't take credit for all of it. I mean, um, we now work under marketing and since our head of marketing, Jade, took control of the SDR team, Jade helped us fine tune this massively. And everyone else as well <clears throat> pitched in. But um, to go back to your question and kind of what I've learned, you need to have good, clear steps of how a lead comes through. It starts with who do we actually, who can we work with? Who do we want to reach out with to? And who um, who of the unbounds that we get can we pass through? And there's every company is going to have different criteria for this. And I think we've now figured out ours, which is great. After that, it's like, okay, so now you've qualified someone. How do you pass them on? What sort of accountability do you have to make sure that the lead is actually the right type of person and that we don't just slam the A's with a bunch of people that have, you know, because it's very easy to get excited about someone or an idea, but excitement mm. is not everything. And then, you know, how do you keep working with DAEs to ensure that the leads go through and also that you can kind of keep this cycle going? Um, so the process has been a very important part for me. And communication is the other. Um, I was very lucky from the beginning that Yapoli was a very open place. You always had access to everyone and people are so keen to answer questions and help out. Uh, we actually had a, a recent onboarding. Someone just joined our product team. And I was chatting with her, a super lovely lady, and she was like, oh, you know, you're like the eighth person to tell me if I need anything or if I just want to chat, call her. And I was like, yeah, everyone actually means it. And that has always been it. Like everyone is always available to me if I have questions, which means that if at any point, either on the process or about work or even just, you know, random things, I need to have a chat. People will answer and will help and will take my call. And that's hugely important in, in making sure that, you can do your job well, if that makes sense. Definitely, definitely. So a lot of things I, I love there that you're talking about process, figuring out, okay, how do we handle our ideal customer profile, our lead? Uh, what's the criteria before like passing it over to the account executive? Because we, like you said, you don't want to slam them with a bunch of conversations. And you said a very key piece, something I used to be guilty of. I used to get so happy about a lead that came through, I'd say to my A, hey, yeah, do you know what? They fit the criteria. They're really interested in the meeting. They want to have the demo. I think they're going to buy. And then like, you know, uh, the A comes back and said, yeah, Neil, they don't really have the budget and uh, we're not speaking to the right person. So you have to iterate that process over and over again till you come to something that's workable and that everybody's in on that process. But it takes time. Uh, and again, you you was at the driving seat of that. You were at the beginning of that and seeing that grow into like uh, the processes that you have today. Uh, and yeah, when people join on board, I think the opportunity to collaborate, openly discuss with colleagues like I've got this idea or could I kind of pass something by you? And when that first person comes on board, they're saying, hey, do you know what you told me? Everybody can just tell told me to give them a call. And you're like, no, that's how it works. You're like, definitely, that's what we want to do. You're building a family. And I think it's always great to be at the beginning of those startups and do that. And you've kind of been here at Yapoli for like a year and a half now. Like what, what size is the team? What's your SDR function like now, Claudia, today? So we started with 17 people and one SDR. We're now about 60 people-ish. Um, and there's three of us now. So there's three SDR. And uh, we've divided based on the regions that we are reaching out to. So Yapoli is a pan-European 
organization. We can help people in most countries in Europe now. Um, but our key markets are still the UK, Germany and Italy, because that's where kind of fintech is thriving the most with open banking. So I'm now managing Italy and trying to identify the market, um, which is quite different from the UK. It's been super interesting, not only to use my language, which I hadn't got the chance to, especially in a professional setting as much, um, but also to understand the different mindsets and how people associate, uh, how people relate to finance. So I'm doing it today. Um, Jibril, who joined us four months ago, five months ago now, he's um, doing Germany. And Stella, again, three months ago-ish, she's the UK. And there's always a bit of overlap because you don't really have control about which inquiries you're going to get. Um, but yeah, we're all, we all have our little market. And it's been super interesting because we've had, we've set up a Friday meeting now, a success and blockers session. Because we're all quite independent. We all have our, not a strategy, our, um, the strategy is cohesive, but we all have our way of reaching out to people. And because the markets are quite different, we're finding different issues. So on Friday, we have this session and we basically go through and identify which problems are do we all have, what can we solve as a team, and what are independent of different countries. Um, so it's it's been, yeah. I say interesting a lot, but it has been so interesting because you don't really think about, you know, how do German people use finance? What is the market like there? And Gibral is giving us so much insight on that. I absolutely love that. So Friday success and blockers session, what's working, what's not. And in essence, you're kind of like mini CEOs for your region or directors for your region. And you're trying to figure out the game plan. And it's great to hear that you're now able to go back to Italy in your region in a business professional tone and get to use everything you've learned and try it out in a new market. That is super cool. I love that. Um, And what does it feel like now being asked SDR questions when you were numero one and now you're being asked by these uh, colleagues as to how do you do stuff? How did that feel? So um, that's a very good question. I think before they join, I try to write it all down. I try to prepare a little document for them, putting all of my thoughts and knowledge in paper so that they would be ready. And I realize I can see them going through the same challenges and issues that I did. I'm literally looking at them and be like, yeah, that was me a year ago. I completely understand where you're coming from. Um, So I'm faced with my own complacency in a way because I've got so stuck with how things work that I now take them for granted. So I'm having to break things apart and explain to them the single pieces that sometimes you don't even realize make up a process. Like, how do you reach out to someone? That's a very good question, but it's a question that I would never have thought to answer in a way that can actually teach someone else before they join. Mm. I know that's yeah. a bit abstract, but it's not just, you know, what type of message you send is what type of message you send, how frequently, how do you make sure that they all, they're all coherent? So I've, I've had to really go back to the basis. Um, and the great thing about this process is that we've found things that maybe didn't work as well. And we've had the chance to review the process and it's grown with us. It's now a lot more dynamic and it's a lot less just me. It's actually like a team process now, which is great. Mm. I can definitely resonate with that because I think being an SDR or whatever role that I've done in and when somebody new has joined the company, they're like, well, how do you do this? How do you do that? And I'd be like, "Um, 
I can't really explain it, but I can show you how I do it because it's just what I do. Yeah. Um, which then forced me to then have to document over and over again. And my biggest key takeaway from whatever role I've been in is document the hell out of everything. Because one day that question is going to be coming to you as to how do you do it? And you may not be able to articulate how you do it, but you may be able to show it. So I think I use things like Vidyard. I would record uh, mini videos on my laptop or I'd create like sticky notes on on my Mac. And then I'd collate all of this. And I think the beautiful thing you said there is that sometimes you're forced to go back to basics because the process that you've built may have worked for you, but it may not work for somebody else. So being able to change that up a little bit with feedback, I think is how you create living documents. So yeah, I'm happy to hear that you've gone through that process, but you've also done the right thing of documenting it as well. Um, And the one last thing that I'd love to kind of ask you was, I remember that when we connected a few weeks back, and I was like saying, well done for, for getting that top award for, for Sales Confidence's top UK SDRs. And again, congratulations on that. Thank I think that's a great achievement. And I was kind of, I think we got onto the topic of like, you're not really aware of what's going on with other SDRs and how they're doing stuff. And this, this is kind of one of the reasons that you wanted to join the show so that you could listen to how other SDRs are doing it. So for you today, like, how do you keep up to date with SDR topics or trends or like, what, what are your main sources that maybe other listeners might want to tap into? All right. So um, it's a very good question. And I think the reason why I said that last time and why it's still true is because once I get into a process, I don't really take myself out of it and look back at it and, deb- and ask myself the question of how other SDRs do it. So I don't really know how they do it and I don't really know necessarily how other companies engage with their SDR team and how they work within them. And I'm sure that each company is unique. Ours, for example, we sit between sales and marketing and it's a great, it, well, we sit under marketing, but we work with both. Um, and I think it's a really good dynamic because ultimately we're front facing, marketing is front facing. It's very, it's a, good cohesion of teams um i know that there are you know um a lot of sdr podcasts and events um all the name of all of which escaped me now i'd be happy to <laughs> right. um when i was starting the job i would literally just google the questions that i have so how to write a good cold email how to follow up Um, And I had a little folder with all of these resources, but now that I've kind of got into the hang of it, it's something that I still do. Like what to say if someone tells you they already have a partner. That's a question that I always look up on a regular basis because there are certain ways of phrasing things that maybe don't come naturally to me. Um, I always found it a bit difficult, to be honest with you, to take someone else's experiences and like actually listen to someone else's story and be like, okay, I'm going to do that now because I have an instinct of I'm not you. So, for example, if you're talking about cold calling, cold calling is not for me. Like I do it, but all of your tricks and tips just feel so unnatural. But I know that's how you learn. So I do sometimes sit on a few SDR podcasts. So I'm sure there's a part of it um, that like seeds itself into my brain and eventually will help me out. But my main tool to figure out the SDRs has always been Google, which is quite detached from people, hence why I don't really know about the wider SDR um, movement in a way. <laughs> well, if anything, you're part of that movement now by being a guest on this show. But I agree with you. Like, yeah, Google is the biggest free resource library, and I'd be exactly the same. And 
kind of where inherently I've never been part of SDR groups before up until this point because I'm like, I'm going to do it my way and I'm going to figure it out. And yeah, I will take the best of what I hear from a video, from a podcast, from a book, but then make it my own thing. Um, but yeah, you you are now part of that process and you are now part of that community. So thank you very much. Um, so as we're coming to the end of the show, you've been an absolute great, great, great guest and I've loved having you. I've learned a hell of a lot. Um, what three key takeaways have you learned that if you were to give uh, advice to a new Claudia, that's just about to join on this journey of becoming an SDR and entering the world of SaaS, what advice would you give them? Um, I guess the first one would definitely be just go for it. Like if you're scared of sending out an email, get someone to check it. If you really need to, but then send it, there's no point in not doing something. Um, Worst case scenario, they're going to ignore it. And, you know, the company is not going to be worse off and you're not going to be worse off. So just go for it. Um, The second one, I guess, would really be the processes. I love processes. I know not everyone does, but a good spreadsheet and understanding how things work and how the pieces of stack that you're given as an SDR work together and alone is extremely important to get to help you get the job done. It just makes you more efficient. It saves you time. Um, and I think the third one would be nail the qualification call. If you have a good structure for that as well, and if you can make a lead feel comfortable and if you can create a good relationship with the lead that is going to just help you qualify better and it's going to help you move better along the pipeline as well. And I love video calls for that. I always did a lot of video calls even before quarantine. So this for me is just very normal and I adore it. Um, I always dislike when people don't put on their video because then I'm like, okay, do I get my video on? And then you get to see my face, but I have no idea how you're reacting. So I guess video call and nail your qualification call would be my last piece of advice and then just have fun with it. I absolutely love that. And if there are any SDRs or BDRs that are listening into this show, um, obviously you've got a wealth of experience now. Would they be okay to reach out to your LinkedIn to maybe connect or maybe set up like a, a video call? Would you be open to that? A hundred percent. Yeah, you can just reach out to me on LinkedIn, Claudia Milanese. Um, and I do love video calls. So please, uh, writing emails and answering questions takes always so long. So suggest a video call and I'll be up for it. Perfect, guys. So that's the best way to get in touch. And I'll make sure I put your LinkedIn profile in the show notes so people can get in contact with you. Um, And are there any shout outs that you would like to give Claudia on the show today? um, That's a very wide question. So many. Who would be your top three? My top three. So... I guess work-wise, Matt and Jade, Matt is our CCO and Jade is our head of marketing. They've been absolutely wonderful with me um, and amazing mentors. They've really, you know, I felt a lot of trust and like they kind of relied on me. Um, And that is an amazing feeling to have, particularly in your first job, particularly if sometimes you feel a bit lost because you know that clearly you're doing something right. Even if maybe you're not great at identifying what it is, something is working. So keep going. So they've been amazing. Um, I always feel a bit cheesy saying this, but my mom as well. My mom, like my mom is a leader in her field and um, she works in marketing, but she's always been a great mentor and always really pushed me to try new things. Um, 
And then I have so many friends that I'd like to mention, but in general, all of my friends who are always kind of pushing me on because I'm a bit shy and I have a bit always like, oh, should I do this? And they're like, yeah, yeah, go ahead. So everyone I know, basically, but <laughs> my mom and Jaden not particularly. Perfect. Thank you so much. Well, Claudia Milanesi, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the SDR Disco Call podcast. Hopefully we can get you back on as a future guest to kind of see how things are going along on your side. Uh, but thank you so much. And I wish you a great week and most importantly, happy selling, Claudia. Thank you so much. Happy selling, Neil. Thank you for listening to the SDR Disco Call podcast today. We would like to get this message out to more and more sales development reps, so please like, comment, and share in your local podcast provider. If you don't want to miss a show, you can always send a blank email to sdrdiscocall, one word, at bcast, which is b-c-a-s-t dot email, and you'll be added to our mailing list. We're also on the lookout for new guests, so if you work in the world of sales development as an SDR BDR, MDR, or ADR, and feel that you have an important message or story to share, feel free to email us at podcast at happyselling.io, and we'd love to have you on board.